Welcome to the Bohemian Rose podcast. Before I totally get into talking about what this episode will be, I just wanted to say thank you. I'm so appreciative to everyone who's listened so far, and I know that there is an entire world of self-help information out there on Instagram and social media and podcasts and blogs, and this really isn't a self-help thing as much as it's just my story. I'm just one person with a story to tell. And this is me telling it. I'm sitting here with my laptop and a microphone in a room without a dog, recording my life stories of reinvention. And I know a lot of people that are in my position that are in their midlife point, I'll say 50 or above, having to reinvent themselves. And it's a process and it takes a lot of different steps. And this is just my story of what I've done, where I've gone, what I'm doing. I haven't gotten really to what I'm doing as much as what I have done. So welcome to episode number four, which I am lovingly calling Rome If You Want To. So I am going to completely age myself right now. My first introduction to international travel was courtesy of the Encyclopedia Britannica. We had an entire set, and I would spend hours and hours as a little girl just looking at all of the really bright, vibrant photos from all these different places around the world, and I thought they were amazing. I also had this tiny set of these plastic dolls that I don't know if they were made out of Bakelite, but they were almost a yellow-colored hard plastic and they were molded, so there was no color on them. But the dolls represented different countries around the world. So the little doll from Holland was in the little native Dutch sort of dressing with a sort of pinafore kind of thing and little clogs on, and everything was molded together. But I used to love those dolls. And in fact, a few years ago, I was looking for something like that because I just love those dolls so much, I wish I still had them. Another thing is my father spoke, I think, seven different foreign languages completely fluently. The guy was a savant when it came to languages. He had some other amazing traits artistically, but he never did anything with the languages other than blow my mind whenever he would have a conversation with someone that might be from Greece or someone that was Italian or someone that only spoke Spanish. My father was completely conversational in those those languages and German and a couple other thrown thrown in as well. Totally stumbling over my words, so I apologize. I didn't travel as a child. I think I flew a couple times. I didn't come from a family that had a lot of money or that went to exotic places, but I always had my nose buried in an encyclopedia And when I was in high school, every foreign exchange student that came through the school, I wanted to be their friend. And we lived in a really small town. So I did befriend and actually date our exchange student from Israel who had long curly hair that I remember my brother telling him 
he better wear a helmet when he came to pick me up because my father would probably try to kill him with the long, crazy hair. I remember that we had a, an exchange student from, I think it was from the Netherlands, and I was friends with him, and I was just always fascinated by becoming friends with anyone that was from another country. When I was in college, I became best friends with this guy from Argentina who was American to me, but he was really Argentinian at heart. And his parents lived really close to our campuses and I would spend a lot of time at his parents' house and his mother would feed me, which was always nice. And I just remember they had the most amazing collection of art and books and they only pretty much spoke in Spanish and I was completely clueless and I absolutely loved it. When I was in college, I failed Italian and I say that because I want to hide my head in shame because I'm actually Italian. So to fail the language from the motherland is pretty embarrassing. But I failed failed Italian and I crafted this master plan that the one way to get all of my foreign language credits in one year without having to go to school for a semester longer would be to go to another country. So I investigated and investigating back in the day without the use of the internet, which did not exist, meant sitting down with a couple counselors at my college, applying to a program, a foreign student program, making sure that all of my scholarships and grants and financial aid and everything would transfer and be able to pay for it and basically go to another country. So I decided that I was going to go to France. I didn't ask for permission to go. I basically put together this entire plan, laid it out, and told my mom, I'm going to go to France to study. I flew to, I, okay, and let me rewind a little. I took a little bit of French in high school. I took a little bit of Latin in high school. I didn't speak French at all. I mean, I knew like French, baby French, maybe. And I don't even think I remembered anything from high school because it was probably four or five years or six years since I had taken it. So I get on this plane in, I think I got on the plane in Baltimore. I flew from Baltimore to JFK in New York. I flew from JFK to Amsterdam. In Amsterdam, an entire group of us that we're all gonna be traveling to the same place, which we were gonna be flying into Nice in the south of France. We were all together. I met all of these people from the United States, a lot of people from California, and I thought they were so cool because they were all so tan, and I don't know, they just looked so much cooler than I did, and I met who was going to be, the girl who was gonna be my future roommate in France. And we got on a plane in Amsterdam, and we then flew to Nice. And Nice was amazing. I took French at an agricultural school. They gave us a French assessment test when we got there. And it was all dictation. And I did pretty well on the dictation. And I was put probably in a level higher than I should have been in. But we spent our days at the agricultural school learning French. And on the plage, we would hang out on the beach and play hacky sack and swim and... It was pretty amazing. I mean, there were some other things that happened that maybe weren't so amazing, 
But all in all, my first few days being completely lost and clueless in Antibes and Nice was amazing. We lived, actually, my roommate and I lived in Antibes and Joan Le Pen. And uh, it was a pretty great experience for my first international trip. From there, we all went to Paris, and actually some people went to a different program. They were in the mountains. Uh, they would be at a university where they were all going to ski, and then a lot of us went to Paris, and I decided that I wanted to go to Paris because of the art and the classes that I would take besides just taking French at the Sorbonne. That was my first time outside of the country, and I was pretty lost most of the time. It took me a while to really catch on to speaking French and reading signs and having my plan de Paris, you know, navigating the city and the metro and all of those good things. But there was something about being in another country and being completely lost and clueless and finding myself. And I can't explain it, but there was something about that that made me feel so incredibly alive. And I didn't really do anything that was crazy. I mean, I would go to the clubs and dance until the metro opened and, you know, the next morning. But I wasn't drinking to excess or never did any drugs or any of that stuff. I was just there walking the city streets, going to as many museums as possible, just soaking it all in. And the irony of being this little American girl in France and Paris... A lot of people thought I was 14 or 15. They thought I was really, really young. I turned 21 when I was in Paris. And people that met me in Paris, they all thought I was Italian because I spoke, I guess, I, I guess I spoke French with an Italian accent. And when I was flying home, some of the people that were on my flight, they thought I was from Italy and maybe it was because I look sort of Italian too. I mean, I'm as much Italian as I am German, so it's, you know, I'm not really one or the other, but I do claim the Italian heritage. So that was my first trip abroad, and it was a pretty incredible experience. It was also one of those experiences that boosted my confidence to know that I would be okay no matter where I was in the world. And it wasn't long after I came back to the United States, maybe less than a year, I was scouted on the streets. I was walking around New York, I think, and I was approached by a scout from an agency in Tokyo. And at the time, I was actually modeling for Ford or Wilhelmina. I can't, can't remember which agency at the time. And the scout said, would you consider coming to Tokyo? And I had never really thought about it. This was also in the day, day and age of no internet. And I looked in an atlas, and I looked at where I was in New York, and where Tokyo was, and I was like, wow, that is on the other side of the world. I reflected back to my encyclopedia days, thinking about what it would be like there. And I said, yes, of course I'd love to go to Tokyo. And at the time, certain American models could make a lot of money in Japan. And I think because I was pretty petite, and I had sort of normal Mediterranean-ish features that kind of work anywhere in the world with kind of olive skin and brown hair and brown eyes. And my eyes were a little almond-shaped, but not too almond-shaped. And I don't know, people thought I might be part Japanese, so it kind of worked in my favor. I decided that I would go to Tokyo. So again, I flew from 
JFK on a direct flight to Tokyo, and that was the longest flight I had ever even imagined. And I remember during that flight convincing myself that I was actually on a train because it didn't freak me out as much, the movement of the plane. But our plane didn't have enough fuel to actually land in Japan, so we landed on some military base on an island in the middle of the Pacific. And we weren't told where we were while the plane refueled and then took off and finished the journey. As clueless as I thought I was in Nice when we landed, I was way more clueless when we landed in Tokyo because of the characters and the alphabet. I mean, not one sign looked vaguely familiar or like I would be able to decipher it. I didn't speak any Japanese. And luckily when I landed, even though the flight was delayed and I think it was like two or three in the morning when I landed, there was someone from the agency still at the airport waiting for me. I had a job at six in the morning. So I literally landed. They took me to my, my apartment or what was going to be my apartment. I showered. I unpacked my stuff. I think I had two hours of sleep and I was on set the next day for El Japan with the biggest bags under my eyes. And this is before people had Photoshop. There wasn't really a lot of retouching and I looked tired as hell because I was. I loved Tokyo. I thought it was amazing. I thought the food was amazing. I thought the people were amazing. It was a very gracious place to be. And everything, going to the market in Tokyo would always blow my mind. Like that was my favorite. My favorite things to do in Tokyo were to go to the market and look, you know, buy food and to go to the stationery store. I absolutely loved the pens, like the mechanical pencils and pens and tablets and papers. And I loved the Japanese magazines. And at one point, I think I was on five magazine covers at one time at the newsstand, which blew my mind. But the actual aspect of traveling and being completely lost and clueless, and I would screw up on the subways, getting on the wrong train, going in the wrong direction. And those kinds of things happened on a pretty regular basis, but I absolutely loved it. And I was so grateful that I had that experience. I came home, came back to the United States and talked to the agency about possibly going someplace else. And they said, well, do you want to go to Milan? Now, Italy for models is a huge deal. Milan is. And I was really, really short, so I wasn't sure if it was going to be worth my time to go there because I made a ton of money in Japan, but I didn't know if I was going to make any money or book any jobs in Milan because the models that were in Milan were like the cream of the crop, the tallest, the most editorial, the most beautiful girls. But I said, yes, like, of course I want to go to Italy. Like, again, why would I not want to have this incredible experience being in another country. I went to Milan and I was living in a pension and that's actually where I met the guy that I fell in love with and eventually married. But there was something about being in Italy for me was like being at home. And what's funny when I was in when I was in Tokyo and people would ask me, "Oh, what nationality are you?" I would say, "I'm an American." And they would say, no, you're not. You're French or you're Australian. 
or you're Italian. And I was just at some point, I think I was just like, just tell me what you want me to be because I'm telling you what I am and you're not believing me. And also I turned, I think I turned 23 or 24 in Tokyo and they did not believe me. They thought I was 16. And I said, I was like, fine. You know, I gave up on age and nationality. I was basically, tell me what I am, how old I am, and what nationality I am today, and I will do whatever it is that you need me to do on the shots. So when I was in Italy, people thought I was Italian because I look pretty Italian, but I flew under the radar because I wasn't this super tall model that would draw attention to themselves. So I just kind of existed on the streets as like a normal person making my way through the city, getting lost, getting on the wrong metro and off at the wrong stop and all of those good things. But again, I absolutely loved it. Like there was something about going to the markets in Italy and going shopping and just the people and the tiramisu that I used to eat in the little bars and the coffee and all of it. And I fell in love with traveling the second I landed in Nice, years and years before that. And that feeling never left me. And my only regret out of the places that I went when I was really young, so under the age of 25, is that after I had moved out to California, after I drove across the, drove across the country by myself, I was offered an opportunity to go back to Tokyo. And I said no, because I was dating this guy that I had met in Milan, and I didn't want to leave. And that is probably the, one of the few regrets that I have from my mid-20s where I should have said yes, I should have done it one more time and tucked some money in my pockets. And each time I traveled, I never really traveled with a lot of money. Like, I, I don't know how I did it. I think I just flew by the seat of my pants because I just wanted to have these amazing experiences. And even in our married life, we had an opportunity to live in Toronto for three years. And actually, we were given a choice of, I think it was Tokyo, London, or Japan, London, and Toronto. And we decided to go with Canada because the exchange rate was amazing at the time. And we were just kind of getting by with two little people, one of which was two and the other was three thought it would be a nice break and like the UK, uh, England, the exchange rate was not favorable and it would have put us at a loss and Japan, I just thought might be too much of a challenge with little children. So we decided on Toronto and while we were there, we had an opportunity to go to Cuba. So we went as a family to Cuba, which was amazing. And I don't speak Spanish. I mean, I barely speak French. I can muddle together a hybrid of Italian and French together and make myself semi-understood in Italy. Spanish, I mean, I don't speak Spanish at all, but it was amazing. Everybody in Cuba spoke English. I think Cuba, oh no, so then I did a job in Peru and the client was kind enough to send the entire family to Lima for the job. So my girls got to go around and look at a bunch of stuff with their dad and Years after that is when the shit hit the fan, I was on my own, and that was pretty much the end of international travel for me. I mean, there were some Hawaii trips in there, 
but from the West Coast, from California to Hawaii, yes, it is amazing. It's beautiful. It is like paradise. But going to Hawaii is not the same as going to Lima, Peru, and walking around and not speaking the language and being able to get lost in a foreign market. So my trips abroad were pretty much shut down. I had had that big gap. You know, I talked on the last episode about my first dabble in online dating, which did not go very well. I decided, I think it was maybe the year, it was, it was about a year ago exactly, a little more than a year ago, I decided that I needed to use my passport. My oldest daughter was going to be coming home from college for the summer. I was with my youngest one. I had to get out of the country. I had to escape the country. I needed to just take a break from everything. I needed to go someplace different and not have to interact with anyone if I didn't want to and literally just roam the streets and be inspired. And when I was in Italy, I saw the Dolomites. I did a job up in that area. I was in a bunch of other different small cities. I went to Venice with my mom. I would hop on the train and go along the coastal area. I did do a job in Rome, but I literally flew in at night. They took me to a location. I think it was the Borghese Park. That's where I was during the day. As soon as we wrapped, they put me on a plane back to Milan and I never saw anything. And there were a few things about Rome that I wanted to see. I wanted to see the Colosseum. I wanted to see the Forum. And I think that was pretty much it. Like those were the two big things that I wanted to see. Because I don't know, I feel this tie to antiquities and I don't know why I just needed to see something that was really old, that was saturated in history. I wanted to walk around with my camera and I just wanted to have this visual break and be on my own time. In this day and age, it's so easy to find a great place to stay on Airbnb, especially for one person. So I connected with this woman on Airbnb and I found an apartment that was really inexpensive. I think the whole apartment each night was like $35 or $40 and it was on the top floor of a building, it was really close to a metro station, the red line that would then take me across most of the city. It looked really cute. There was a market nearby, there was a park nearby, there were shops nearby and Rome is one of those cities that's really walkable. Well, I, I know that now. I didn't know that at the time. But I was thinking, oh, these things all look like they're pretty close by. I had no real agenda other than I wanted to see the Colosseum. And that would be me and every other tourist in Rome at the time. But I booked a flight. I think I was going to be gone for a total of four days. So no time whatsoever to fly on a really long-ass flight to Rome. But I left my daughter, the one that was not, um, not out of the house yet. She was almost 18. I left her in charge of the dog and she had her swim team schedule and she had things to do. And I disappeared and I got on the plane to Rome. And when I landed, I think I took a red eye. When I landed, it was morning, flying in to land over Rome. The sea looked amazing and it was so blue. And I, don't, I didn't talk to anyone on the flight. 
And when I got into the city, I got in a cab. I took a cab to the, the place where I was going to be staying. And as soon as I saw the walls of the ancient city, I literally burst into tears quietly in the back of the cab. And the route that we took, I could see in the distance part of the Colosseum, and my heart skipped a little beat. I mean, it was just like the top little sliver of it. I couldn't really see much of anything. I was so tired, but I was so excited to be there. I think I found the little market, and I decided that the next day was going to be the day that I went to the Colosseum. One of the reasons why I decided to go to Rome is that there's something about me feeling at home in Italy, and I thought, if I'm going to go anyplace, I want to go someplace where I feel comfortable. I want to go to a city where, as a single woman, I would feel safe, and I think Rome fit the bill for that. Someplace where, you know, it just wasn't going to be so incredibly foreign. Like, I do have a bucket list of countries, but there are certain countries that I maybe wouldn't want to go to alone or certain cities, but Rome, I felt like, was a safe bet. And the whole time I was there, I think I walked maybe 12 or 13 hours each day just shooting things. And the first time, the first day I went out, I actually went in the wrong direction on the main street. And I ended up in this really rural suburb, as in like tall cypress trees, ancient walls crumbling. I found this athletic club where the kids' soccer field was in the walls of this ancient almost city or building. It was amazing looking. I was tired and my legs were killing me and I had walked so far in the wrong direction and I had to walk backtrack all the way back. I barely ate when I was in Rome. I didn't really enjoy, you know, sitting down at a meal by myself as much as I could have, but I sure did love walking around the city for hours and hours and hours on end. And the next morning that I woke up, because I'd gone in the wrong direction, I did more things around the apartment that I was renting and got some groceries and made some food. And I actually enjoyed just sitting at home, or at home, the apartment that I was renting, sitting there at night and eating and just looking at the photos and editing what I had shot the day before. But the next morning is when I went to the Coliseum and I wanted to cry because it was so beautiful. I think it's amazing that you can walk through the Colosseum and touch all of the stone walls. And for me, I was always playing back these stories of all of these people, like what those walls have seen over the thousand of years that it's been built or thousands of years and how amazing the forum is walking on the ground, like thinking of the people, the women that have walked those paths before me and that kind of stuff blows my artistic mind and I feel like I had to go and have this solo adventure by myself I know that sounds so silly a solo adventure by myself I needed to go and do something where I wasn't on anybody else's time frame but mine and I was doing exactly what I wanted to do exactly when I wanted to do it and if I wanted to eat I ate and if I didn't want to I didn't and if I walked you know longer than somebody else would have wanted to walk, well, that was fine. It was just me. I wasn't going to complain to me. I was so happy to be there, and I was so happy to be there and feel alive. I did mention that I don't have, I didn't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of money, but sometimes 
putting money aside to have an adventure and to have an experience is so worthwhile. It just, for me, it just, I can't even put a price on the feelings that I was feeling and the way that I felt when I came back. I knew that this was just kind of the first taste of that independent traveling experience. So my words of wisdom to anybody that's listening to this, you know, if you're going through something where you are like reinventing yourself, go take a trip. And I mean, if you don't feel like it's something you want to do solo, there's so many amazing trips out there, so many places I want to go to. And I don't like yoga at all, but I would be totally tempted to do one of those yoga retreats in Bali or someplace like that where you have you know, kind of a safety net there for you because me going to Rome, I had no safety net, but I feel like now with cell phones and tracking and texting and all of these things and being at a, an Airbnb that was owned by a woman who I'd communicated be, with beforehand. And we actually had one phone conversation and she made it known that if I needed anything, I could contact her. I mean, I did have like a tiny, tiny bit of a safety net, go out. It is a big, amazing world out there. Go and see it. Like, don't stop living and traveling because you don't have a partner to go with you. Do it by yourself. Be an adventurer. Ironic little note here, and I'll probably get to it in, in another episode, is that I did put Tinder, I, I did have Tinder before I went to Rome and it was completely fruitless, but that's like a whole nother episode. So this was years after that first experience, but I had Tinder on in the United States and I have like no matches, none whatsoever. I have Tinder on when I'm in Rome, all of a sudden I have 300 and some matches and 150 messages. And I was like, wow, if this is not a sign that I am in the wrong place, then I don't know what is. I was like, I am no kind of commodity whatsoever in the United States and Southern California. But I was like, damn, I got it going on in Rome. That's kind of the end of my Rome story. All roads, oh, what is it? All roads lead to Rome. I got lost one day in Rome and that day that I walked out of the city and this guy that I happened to like talk to at one point about being lost, he's like, but all roads lead to Rome. I was like, yeah, if you know where you're going. But it was amazing, and uh, I still, I still have a lot of wanderlust. I actually wear a bracelet that says "Not all who wander are lost." And with that, I will leave you. So have a beautiful week, and we will chat soon. Oh.